Hello, my name is Alicia and I will be reading from the Bible, the book of Micah, chapter 6, verse 1 to 8. Listen to the Lord's case against Israel. Arise, O Lord, and present your case. Let the mountains and hills hear what you say. You mountains, you everlasting foundations of the earth, listen to the Lord's case. The Lord has a case against his people. He is going to bring an accusation against Israel. The Lord says, My people, what have I done to you? Answer me. I brought you out of Egypt. I rescued you from slavery. I sent Moses, Aaron and Miriam to lead you. My people, remember what King Balak and Moab planned to do to you, and how Balaam, son of Beor, answered him. Remember the things that happened on the way from the camp Akasia and Gilgal. Remember these things, and you will realize what I did in order to save you. What shall I bring to the Lord and God of heaven? When I come to worship him, shall I bring the best calves as offerings to him? Will the Lord be pleased if I bring him thousands of sheep or an endless stream of olive oil? Shall I offer him my firstborn child to pay for my sins? No, the Lord has told us what is good. What he requires of us is this, to do what is just, so constant love and live in humble fellowship with God. Hi, good morning, Cairns Road. This is Dave Winfield here. Um, I just want to repeat that verse, which is not a catchphrase, but is used as one. Here it is yet again. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Now I've been asked simply to concentrate on that little phrase and to love kindness and that's what this morning is all about. But by way of a general introduction, remember that according to our scriptures, God created man in his image. And all the main monotheistic religions of the world, the Jews, Islam and Christianity, all agreed that God is merciful. In fact, Jesus, our Saviour, said, you be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. Now, God created us in his image, and his image, therefore, he wants us to live in God-likeness, which means living in mercy. In fact, living in mercy, loving, acting justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly with our God, sums up genuine humanness. This is how he wanted humans and human society to live and to work. And at the heart of it is loving mercy. 
Now then, the problem from Micah, as you've heard on previous weeks, is that in his day, in Israel and Judah, the people weren't living in mercy. In fact, Micah talks about there being criminality, and especially he talks about the civic leaders and the religious leaders and the prophets giving false leads to the people, living for themselves. In fact, the prophets were a bit like our soothsayers, our, our fortune tellers, they'd give you a good fortune if you cross their palm. The leaders were looking to their own interests. And we know from our present experience, both here and in America, that when those who are in high public profile ignore the rules that they've made for everybody, then it causes anger and then confusion. And then other people take it upon themselves to say, well, they don't keep the rules, we don't have to. And that's exactly what had been happening in Micah's day in the two kingdoms of Israel and Judah. In fact, Hosea, a contemporary of Micah, prophesied this. The Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love and no knowledge of God in the land. So steadfast love, which is another synonym for mercy, was absent. Micah had a message for his people. The Lord has shown you, O man. Now then, I don't want to major on that word man because I don't know Hebrew. I don't know whether it's singular or plural. I don't know whether it's the nation or individual. But O oh man is humanity. And God is speaking to the whole land here. God has a concern for the whole land and the whole justice and culture of the system in which Micah is living. But he also has a concern for each individual man because everybody within that community, within that system, must live mercifully for the whole thing to end up working. So he, you know, O oh man, what the Lord requires of you. The people of Israel knew what was required of them because, for instance, God had called Abraham so that he would teach his children and his family to come to walk according to the commandments of God. He'd passed it on. And the people of Israel knew because God had given to Moses the law which included the Ten Commandments, which can be broken down into two simple ones. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, and, and here comes mercy, and your neighbour as yourself. Now Micah was contemporary with Hosea 
and Isaiah, they were already reminding the people. And he was following some years after Amos, who had already reminded the people. These people had been told over and over again, this is the covenant I have with you. This is how I want you to live. You know, O oh man, and you and I who are Christians, we've heard this every week or every other week or every month or whatever in the sermons that we've heard. This is how God wants us to live, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. We know this. You know, O oh man, what the Lord requires of you. And just notice that it is what he requires of you, not what he hopes for, not what he distantly wishes for, but, O oh man, what he requires of you, that you do justly, you love mercy, and you walk humbly with your God. Now have you noticed in this phrase, in this text, that all those things, justice, mercy and humility with God, all have an action attached to them. With justice it's act justly, but with mercy it is to love mercy. Now think about that for a moment. The word mercy is chesed. It's the same word which is used of God's covenant love. And it can be translated, it is translated in the scriptures with such synonyms as steadfast love, loving kindness. This is what mercy is all about. So what is the significance of loving this mercy? Well, as you know, the Bible has been translated into so many different languages. I checked it out in a number of different versions. And it's interesting the way these different versions actually translate this little phrase, loving mercy. It kind of amplifies the significance of what it means. For instance, Loving is to embrace faithful love. If you love mercy, you embrace it. And if you embrace it, then you love to show mercy. You love to show mercy. You love being kind to others because you have embraced mercy as your own character and way of life. And if you've embraced it like that, you let mercy be your first concerns in the things that affect you during the day, in your interaction with the people round and about you. And if you love it that much, then you're diligent to be merciful. And all these ideas are incorporated in this little phrase, love, mercy. In other words, be merciful with a great big smile on your face because it's a pleasure for you to be merciful. Shakespeare had something to say about mercy. This is quite good for Shakespeare. He says, the quality of mercy is not strained. And by strained, he means it's not constrained. You don't have to squeeze mercy out of somebody because as the rain drops, paraphrasing Shakespeare, as the rain drops 
gently from the sky, so does mercy ooze or drop gently from the one who loves mercy. So this is what God requires of you and me, of our nation, of our leaders, of our priests, of our lawmakers, of our businessmen, that we love mercy in the way we conduct our lives. Now there was an interview which I heard on television um, just a week or so ago. It, it struck me. I'm, I may be putting words into the interviewee's mouth, which would be wrong. But he said this. He was one of those local, wonderful local people we've seen recently who go around bringing food parcels to the lonely and to the vulnerable. And he, this is what he said. The lockdown has given us an excuse to be kind to one another again. Now what an extraordinary statement. It's given us an excuse to be kind to one another all over again. As if before either we were scared to step on each other's toes or we didn't want anybody to be involved in us or we were just so taken up in our own business looking after ourselves that it never occurred to us to be kind to someone else. And yet what does the Lord require of you man? But that you love this kindness. To diligently do it in effect. It comes down to this. What does mercy look like when it's being merciful? Some of the Psalms explain a righteous man like this, Psalm 37. He's ever lending generously. That's merciful, isn't it? Or Psalm 112. He's gracious, merciful and righteous. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. He's remembered the poor and needy, the lonely in the house. When you're wearing your mask, and this is just a sidetrack, when you're wearing your mask and you meet somebody who is hard of hearing, remember they can no longer lip read, will you? Be merciful. It's thinking of other people, the poor, the needy, in a new way to bless them with the same kind of life that you yourself enjoy, basically, is being merciful. Well, how about this from Isaiah chapter 1? Cease to do evil, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. These are the people who are on their own at the moment, isn't it? The people for whom some of them have been on their own for several years and now you know what it feels like. And now you know how lonely they are. Remember their cause. This is being merciful. Or about this, again, from Isaiah 58. Isn't this the fast that I choose? It seems that in Micah's day, um, to cover up for the sins, their sins, people were tending to be very elaborate in their worship, putting on all the, all the finest clothes, and do, as though God somehow or another would be flattered. But that's not the fast 
or the worship that God was looking for. This is the fast that I choose, he said. Loose the bonds of wickedness, undo the straps of the yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the homeless poor into your home, and when you see the naked, to cover him? Some people are going to be without work as a result of this coronavirus. Remember them, won't you? When you see the naked, cover him. Who can't fill their cupboard or give their children toys for a while again. Remember them, won't you? And don't hide yourself, says Isaiah, for your own flesh. All these are things which somebody who loves mercy will find himself being urged to do from time to time. What will ooze out of him in genuine humanity towards his neighbour, his friend. And Jesus says, even to your enemy, bless those that curse you. And Paul, well, he was presumptuous enough to say, don't seek revenge, leave it to God. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. But no, if you see your enemy hungry, give him something to eat. And if you see him thirsty, give him something to drink. For in so doing, you heap coals of fire on his head. Don't overcome evil with evil. You overcome evil with good. Is this not what the Lord has required of us, O man, that we love mercy? No. Whoever you are in this land, whether you are one of the high and mighty, or whether you're one of the low, God now expects you with me to love mercy in so much, so much that we diligently act on it and do it. So, in your business, business strategy, is mercy an ingredient? In your policy making, is mercy an ingredient? In your teaching, in your preaching, in your opinion making, is mercy part of your attitude? Because it is, after all, what God requires of you. And well, we realise from Micah that God notices it when it's not there. In your teaching, in your policing, in your next doorness. What does the Lord require of us? But that we love mercy. So, what is the conclusion to all this? Well, the final word is this, O man, O woman. Love showing mercy when you're acting in justice. And when you're walking humbly with your God, then be merciful as your Father is merciful, because he wants you to love mercy. God bless you.